Kim Duke, and I am married to an addict. Hi, Kim. Uh, my name is Chris, and I am an addict alcoholic. Hi, Chris. Hi. It's May. Mm-hmm. Um, we made it to May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, since May is uh, mental health awareness, almost every addict or alcoholic that I met when, when I was in, um, there was either trauma, PTSD, depression, like n- there was maybe one person that was just like a straight alcoholic just mm. for being, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I feel like... Must uh, have co-occurring disorders. Yeah. What does that mean? Co-occurring meaning uh, mental health and a substance use disorder. Ah, so with what you do, is it hard to discern um, if somebody is like has a genuine mental health issue versus uh, being on a substance? Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people that have mental health issues use substances. So it's hard. A lot of interesting enough, we see a lot of people who have a history of, you know, some mental illness or schizophrenia. Sometimes they use methamphetamine so it can you it's hard to decipher if it's the methamphetamines causing some type of psychosis or if it's their uh, mental health or if they're having an exasperation we see a lot of people under the influence of alcohol sometimes people when they're under the influence will say that they want to die and then when they sober up they don't feel that way that's hard too to decipher yeah um a lot of people are depressed and then they drink which makes them more depressed because it's a depressant stuff like that so it's hard um and there's like hallucinogens out there when people use that you know it's hard. Yeah, it can be hard to decipher, but we give you know you got to give people time to you know sober up from whatever substance substance they are on, and then you can do like more effective um, mental health assessment. Um, has have there been situations where? So I'm sorry. So if people aren't aware, you're a, a mental health professional. Yep. Um, specifically working in a in an emergency room. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty uh, immediate. Yeah. Uh, like frontline type of work. Um, thank you for that, by the way. It's Nurses Week. It is Nurses Week. Hey, Mental Health Awareness Month. I'm a mental health nurse. It's like, it's, it's the plus Mother's Day is in plus May. Plus Mother's Day, oh Lena's birthday. God. It's wow. crazy. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, you're pretty amazing. Um, but so, and maybe you don't see this aspect of it, but I'm wondering, like, when people say things under the influence. Um, do you, are you ever the one that's talking to them, uh, when they maybe sober up and, and you say things like, Hey, you had mentioned. Yeah. I I will bring it up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important for people to know some things. I mean, I have had times where I'm under the influence of alcohol and I will say things and I've been to a point where I blacked out and don't remember saying certain things. Um, so it's, I think it's important to address that and, you know, people don't like to hear sometimes the things that they say, but I think it's important because oftentimes they're not the one that brought themselves into emergency room. Some, yeah. sometimes it's law enforcement mm-hmm. and they sober up and they realize they're in an emergency room. Well, why am I here? Yeah. I was drinking last night. Well, you may have said ABC, you know, that you wanted to end your life yeah. comments like that. And we have to take that pretty seriously. And that's why you're here. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with people if they say something just so they know what they said. Cause how scary is it to wake up in a room? <coughs> well, I more meant like, 
not not just bringing it up, but oh. in the sense that you're you're trying to uh, is asking the question: Is this something that needs to be addressed? Have you had thoughts of self harm oh, before? Yeah. Things oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't assume because someone's there, you know, under the influence of alcohol or whatever substance that they're just saying that because of the substance, you know. Yeah. Obviously, you can't go into like great detail, but uh, when it comes to those things coincide, like, do they? How how often are people saying, well, like they kind of come around to the idea that maybe they are depressed? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, where there's where you're bringing, you say, you know, you'd mentioned that you want to drive your car off a bridge or something like that, and you say, you know, like, have you have you been sad? You know, do you yeah have to. Have you happened to have depression or any signs of depression? It's probably, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know I don't how know you guys how time, you would word I mean, it. But. I, don't, I don't know how often it happens. I guess most people are embarrassed, but there, I mean, there are people that are very much when they're sober, they still feel depressed and all that too okay. anxious. But when you're obviously coming off of alcohol, a lot of people feel it. It's type of anxiety from right. detoxing. Even if you're not a chronic alcoholic, even the next day people can have some type of anxiety, but no i guess i can't give a percent it doesn't have to be yeah. but i mean like does it feel like it's fewer the people like people it like enter entertaining the idea that they might have um some type of depression yeah. Yeah, yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think so i think that's interesting it it's a bummer like i've, I've only i've been out a month a month and a half a month and a half now? Wow. Yeah. So I've been out for a month and a half and there's already been... Maybe a month and a week. Or whatever. Yeah. Close enough. Um, Over a month. Mm-hmm. And there's been four people that I know of that have relapsed already. Wow. And a, a, two of them I had like... Because when they when they tell their stories, um, you... Uh, they, they, we have the opportunity to like ask questions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or make comments or whatever. So when they're in, when you're in treatment, they tell you, okay, they let you after their story ask yeah. questions. Well, oh. But it's up to them. So, house, oh, house so if someone's like, whatever. no, I don't want to answer any questions. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I never saw anybody say no to that, but, uh, yeah. um, but my qu- question to a lot of people was, um, have you tried to address because people, People don't understand like trauma and PTSD, like people that would come in and say that they had trouble sleeping. Like, yeah, I'll just wake up screaming. Hmm. It's like, what? Why? Yeah. Something happened. You try to get these people to say it on their own. But yeah, there's all of these, all of these people were not realizing just what baggage they were really carrying. And so I, I asked quite a few of them um if they had tried to address that at all or talk to anybody on a professional capacity about i think those traumatic events i think there's this understanding that oh but i'm sorry two of them two yeah. of the guys that i had mentioned that to like you know you're you you it's hard it's that much harder to stay sober if you're you have this um is it activate your like fight or flight? Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you have this thing that comes and snaps your fight or flight, you're going to be in that much more danger yeah. of relapse. 
I think a lot of times too people think PTSD. We think obviously veterans, a lot of them do have PTSD, but we have to have such a significant trauma happen <clears throat> for you to have that, you know, the symptoms of PTSD, but it doesn't have to be that. Something can be traumatic to us and, you know, leave that with us and have those moments where you wake up in the middle of the night screaming it doesn't have to be that you went to war that you witnessed a ton of abuse it could be some event in your life that triggered that and i think a lot of times people won't identify that in their own head as ptsd yeah until someone else like you bring that up right yeah it's so funny like i've i've talked about my attempt on on here but it's weird that i when i see somebody else talking about this traumatic thing and being like whoa have you have you tried to figure out what's going on there or like a a way to deal with that stuff um but with my thing it feels like everything was like like you wouldn't know that i had a problem for the most part except for the suicide and it's so weird to say like it feels like this, I don't know, not that, not that it's not a major thing, but it's feels so minor because it was such a short period of time. Does that make sense? Okay. And, and then I, I still live in this house. I still go in that closet every day. I, mm. you know what I mean? So it's we, like, even though I want people to recognize that stuff, I don't, it doesn't feel traumatic to me. And I okay. find that weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like nothing. Because maybe in the moment that you did that, you were at peace. Mm, maybe. So you don't find it traumatic because you were in a different mind space as when, you know, I look in the closet, I get a little anxious because of knowing what I know. But when you were in the, the closet for some reason, you had some sense of peace. Interesting. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because I didn't. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Something to think about. It, but it, yeah, it's it's so weird. But even like yeah. coming home after your attempt and like I still slept in the bed when, you know, the place I saw you after. Right. You know, stuff like that. I don't know. This time it wasn't as traumatic to me. I just kept, you know, moving forward. But the other attempt with the truck, I had a harder time oh, looking yeah. at the truck, being in the truck, being in the garage, stuff like that. For sure. That time was a little more traumatic. This time, I think it's because... Well, that, I think there's like a smell associated with it, that, which yeah. feels like danger. Yeah. That, and it hits some different area in your brain, a sense of smell. Yeah. Because like songs, like remembering where you were during events can trigger something in your head. Sometimes if yeah. I hear certain songs, it brings you to a, if something was going on. Yeah. So maybe that's, I mean, that's interesting thought is the smell of the garage and all that yeah. during that time. But this time it didn't, I mean, didn't affect me as traumatically as the other time. Yeah. But this time was a little more serious. I feel like, I mean, they're equally right. as serious, but this one seemed a little scarier. Uh, well, yeah, because I think the first time it was um, like, it was a... There was an immobilization mm-hmm. that made it seem like, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were then, conversing. And then and st- to have that doctor give me that medication the next fucking day. Yeah. It was the whole time yeah, that yeah. I was in the hospital. I was just furious that if I would have known that, then it wouldn't have happened. So it was yeah. like we were in it 
together at that point yeah. to try and get through it. Whereas this time, yeah. There's a lot of unknowns, I, I think, think. I can tell that because um, your brain is supposed to store uh, truly awful events and truly amazing things, mm-hmm. right? To try and uh, either make sure you don't do that thing again or make sure you do repeat this other thing. Um, and the fact that there doesn't seem to be any... It freaks me out that like there's no visceral response. Like mm. I said, I've had one one night where um, I remember how depressed I was sitting on the corner of the couch, knowing that I had, had been drinking, was pretty drunk, and kept kept trying to play it off that I wasn't drinking, and that whole like desperation type of feeling. Yeah. But it didn't carry anywhere else, and so I I just. It's weird to think that it doesn't feel like my brain stored that thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I, I've said it before, like how if you've attempted once, I can't remember if I said it in a phone call or if I said it on, on here, but um, the the almost attempt uh, back in uh, whenever that was. It was three years ago. No, no, no. Oh, this last year? No, the very first attempt oh, I was saying. That was nine years ago. Nine years ago. I still remember Sean uh, saying, so this is never going to happen again, right? And something in my head just went, I have no idea. I don't know what could happen down the road that would make... There's a, You can never have any idea. But something in me kind of went like, the fact that my brain thought, Oh, there's always the potential for it. Yeah. Seems strange that it doesn't bother me mm. in in the way that I think that it should. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I guess my overdose on when I overdose on aspirin and I got very sick, 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 sick in my head. I guess I didn't think like uh, that's it. I'm never gonna do that again. How old were you? Like eighteen. Eighteen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. But it never did cross my mind. Like, no, that's it. That was awful. I knew it was terrible. I felt miserable. The one of the worst experiences ever. But never, yeah. I guess, in my mind was I. I'm never gonna do that again. It was I, more like when I got a family and children. I'm like, I try to avoid death because I'm. I don't want to not. I want. I don't want to miss anything. Sure. But that's how I cope through things. But it, yeah, it's weird to yeah to have that. And I yeah, I thought yeah. about that. That recently, um, yeah, it's just strange. And so to people who, if you've attempted one, I tried looking up statistics and it's kind of hard for them to really gauge the data on. Yeah. I don't know if people are always open to with that. Right. Yeah. If there's been a prior attempt, stuff like that. But, um, from what I could gather, um, it's something like 23% of people who have uh attempted before attempt again oh it's a pretty big percent percent yeah right i thought that was pretty almost a fourth but again that's of people who are admitting to that stuff and yeah and owning up to it um because then what was it the success rate of the second attempt it was way higher yeah um but then it's like a seven 
it was like a 7% of whatever this, you know, however yeah. they gauge that, um, was like a bunch of attempts, which seems strange in that. Well, one thing I've learned too is in mental health, we take someone saying that it's an attempt regardless of the situation, seriously. In my eyes, I know what are, like, how do I word this? There are, when we see people, we're like, oh, you know, we assume most attempts are, you know, overdoses, stuff like that. Sometimes people cut their wrists. Well, they cut the wrong way. They didn't cut very deep. But mm-hmm. they say, I was trying to end my life. Who am I to say that that's not a real attempt? Right. Is it is an attempt more... Um the person's perception if they're when they're an attempt is if they have the intent to end their life when they're doing what they're doing in my eyes that's an attempt i think with the with the multiples it's they don't care whether it works or not okay. probably right yeah if they're trying you know five six times yeah. like i've met i've met people who say that they've, they've attempted multiple multiple oh, times yeah. and it yeah. just seems like what they're really saying is they're indifferent to whether or not it works, but they need to feel right then yeah. or they feel so extremely that they have to yeah. have it be known. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fucking intense. It is. Yeah. Like if you have passing thoughts of suicide, it's normal. I think it's pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, everybody's, yeah. it could be like a split second thing where you're just like, ugh. Yeah. The closer you get to the edge of that stuff, the easier it gets each next time because you're you're fucking up your your fight or flight mm-hmm. um, because you're born wanting to protect yourself. Yeah. And, and be here. Yeah. Yep. And, and to be here. Um, no, no infant is born wanting to terminate their life right out no. of the gate. I tried to I tried doing this video before. And it just it sounds really weird. Are you going to do your metaphor thing? Yeah, the metaphor okay. thing. I'll set you up for that. Because we've heard, I've heard from people, you know, working in the field I work in now, I don't know, seven years, six, seven, eight years. It's been a long time. Um, but family members who someone has attempted and they just can't grasp, like, what what would make someone get to that point? I don't understand. They have this perfect life, they have a family, they have a job. I mean, they can list all these great things and we can look at someone and I can name all these fabulous things for you, for Joe, for Steve. I'm just naming no, male yeah, names. I, I tell. But all these kinds of people and I can be like, well, look at him. He's got two, three boats. He's got a beautiful this and that and that. And so people have a hard time grasping and getting like, Chris, you have a wife and kids and a job and a house and... It, you have it all. Why? What would get you to that point? Yeah. It just, so trying to get people <clears throat> to understand it. Yeah, yeah. So the the thing that I thought of, and I thought about my my brother when he had said, um, you know, this is never going to happen again, right? And I said, I have no idea. I have no idea what situation could happen. Yada yada. And he goes, I just, I know, I know that I would never do that. I can tell. And I was like, well. You have no, there's no way you could, like, if everything was stripped from you, you have no idea how you'd react to that. But the analogy that I came up with, the metaphor, um, so uh, when it comes to defending your family, 
most people say they would do anything to defend their family. So like an assailant's coming and you're either having to, it's, it's either you or them or your family or them. Most people say that they could end somebody else's life. Um, if it's in self-defense in, in that regard. And so the analogy is, so that happens, right? Most people have been asked that question in some form or another. Yeah. Um, so after you've killed this person to, to save your family, you find out that you misread the situation. Nobody was in any, in any danger at all. And what's worse is if you would have asked your family, they would have told you that they want you to do anything but end that person's life. And they'll work with you. They'll, they'll reach out to police. They'll do anything to make sure that that person doesn't die. So that's what, what suicide is, is you have misread your situation so entirely that you think ending your life um, is for the betterment of your situation or your family's situation or loved ones, whoever it may be. Um, and I just, I think that that like encapsules mm-hmm. the way, like, so it's not cause I, the, the EMT on the way to the hospital told me that she thought suicide was selfish, which is fucking nuts to say to somebody when, when they're on their way to the hospital. But, um, they just have misread the situation mm-hmm. and they've flicked that switch in the, I keep saying fight or flight, but whatever. Um, yeah, that's fine. They flip, flip that switch and made it seem like this is how we survive, even though you're not actually surviving. This, this, you're the defender and the assailant at the same time. And so you think that you're defending yourself from you or, yeah. you know, that whole thing. I just... Yeah, it, I and I explained that to a couple of people who had difficulty understanding that, um, including Dad. I told him yeah. about it, and he was like, "He, it like that that analogy finally made it click for him, mm-hmm. um, and for for a couple of other people." And which is good. And I don't know if I articulated it well no, just I then, but like sounds, I think it sounded really good. But I think that, uh, yeah. Suicide is not some like easy way out. It's the most difficult way out because you think that you're making a sacrifice for others or for yourself so that everything is better. That's the weird thing is that everything will be better after this. So they you you yeah. think that you're doing this awful thing, but it's going to be better in the long run, which is... I I know like with both my attempts that was the mentality was it's going to suck right away but it's going to be so much better in the long run. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I could tell you <clears throat> as a family member it's not that yeah. No. Well, yeah, and and I I recognize like like I said it's 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 strange to me. It's difficult to grasp like why it doesn't I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's your <clears throat> mental state when it's going on kind of a thing. 
Yeah. Well, and the I used to explain all the time that like, um, you don't blame the cancer patient if the chemo isn't working. Mm-hmm. Like somebody's mental state has been so skewed that they end their own life, which again goes against nature. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just a a symptom of their condition. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think like it just so case, happens that it's a, it's a mental thing. So people think that therefore you can overcome well, it like from some type of will. Well, you know like, what I mean? We're still in this age where we're still learning more about mental health. Like 20 yeah. some years ago, you didn't talk about if you were sad, like my upbringing, you just got <laughs> over it. Just get over it. You're, you have a great life. You have a house, you know, you compare it to, well, there's, people that are homeless or this and that they don't have anything and you have everything you shouldn't be sad that's not the case it's a chemical imbalance right isn't it weird like think about the the friends that you have like for me like i talked about my emotions so much you know what i mean like i talked you're a girl well that's not fair but (laughs) also fair um but you know what i mean like it's it's weird that we were so vocal about it, yeah. but it just fell on deaf ears for so long. It's yeah. not, I mean, I'm fucking psyched that it's improved and that, you know, there's more training, especially in schools. Oh, for makes sure. Me, it makes me hopeful yeah. for, there's for more, our kids. Yeah. More mental health services in schools now than there was before. I mean, they yeah. had nothing. They had the guidance counselor that they wanted me to go talk to well they don't want to talk about my mental health they want to talk about what college i'm going to go to yeah, yeah. how i'm doing in school not why am i feeling sad oh you were you know it, it was a different time then you didn't talk to you know yeah. therapists in school now they have companies organizations where they have therapists that will go into the school and meet with kids which oh. is great yeah 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 that's awesome i mean and there's some schools that are still behind you know, yeah. small, small rural schools that need to kind of step up their game a little bit and for sure catch up. But Well, and that, that brings it back to the addiction side of things when young adults are really like vulnerable to or susceptible to that. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're trying to reach out and it's falling on deaf ears, then yeah. substance is so easily accessible this makes you feel good in the moment or feel nothing well uh, yeah but it's also just there like when it comes to uh suicide and if there's a firearm in the home Mm. like it is like almost nine out of ten well i think maybe you mean completed suicides yeah that's more of a yeah so not in a okay yeah yeah so completed suicides if there's a firearm in the home, yeah, it almost never fails. So in that same regard, if there are substances available and somebody is hurting, yeah. then they're going to reach for that thing. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that they've been, all, they've always been thinking about it, but if that solution is there and it's, they don't have a logical a, mind in that moment yeah, either. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's an arm's reach away. They're going to go for it. Um, so, you create a, a pattern of, you know, yeah. this is how we push it down or this is how we escape. Um, and then your brain creates that pathway. I've, I've fucked up the, the way that I was explaining the midbrain before. 
So it's your <clears throat> uh, midbrain sends a signal to your limbic system. Limbic system uh, is like the, are we going to do this or are we not going to do this? And then that goes to your prefrontal cortex, which is where the decision is finally made. Yeah. It happens obviously much faster than that. Um, but when you use substances um, a lot and for the wrong reasons, you literally create a pathway in your brain um, that then makes it think that it's a survival thing. So that, oh, sad thing's coming. We need this substance to survive mm -hmm. this sad thing that's coming. Yeah. I wish I wish more people would like talk about that aspect of addiction because so many like of these addiction like i'm talking to more people that are like coming out about being addicts and stuff yeah and talking about 12 steps and all that stuff and i think if people knew that that like there's an actual like objective way to show them what's fucking happening yeah because you don't realize you say things out loud like before i knew it i was drinking before i knew it it or like i it didn't even feel like a decision i just grabbed a drink like you know what i mean that whole thing there is a reason there is yeah. a physio physiological mm -hmm. yep physiological reason for that shit happening and i think that if people know that thing you can externalize that and go, oh, shit, I'm I'm thinking that I need to reach for this. But that's really just my uh, limbic system getting bypassed by my midbrain and shooting straight to the prefrontal cortex in a manifest in a manifestation way, which says we can get them to take that drink if we come up with this reason. Mm. So your mid, your midbrain can has like figured out a way to um make it seem like um that little voice in your head yeah is actually like mm -hmm. the signal and it just that's how it sounds in your head when you when you think to yourself you're gonna generate words eventually and usually you know associated with you know working or whatever it may be function there we go that's what yeah. I was looking for. <clears throat> I still got to get used to this breathing thing, huh? I know. You're having a God. hard time over there. You're getting these rants and you're just going. Yeah. I just... Vifta, vifta. I, re I realize I like hold my breath a lot too. I think a lot too with your attempt was a, there was a lot of shame with your alcohol use because from what I understood, you had quit, but you were drinking without me knowing. And a lot of people that feel a lot of guilt and shame over a period of time can increase their depression or make them more depressed. Ah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I've seen that where people have a lot of guilt for things that they have done and they haven't talked to people about or some shame of some sort. And then they just become more depressed because you're holding on to that. You keep holding on to it. And it's eventually, I always tell people this metaphor, but it's like a cup, you fill a cup with water. You can only fill it so long and it's going to start overflowing into something. Mm. I, I watched, uh, I remember watching Bojack Horseman <clears throat> and the it's a it's a cartoon series it's fucking hilarious but the last two seasons of it are really about this individual that was able to pass off their alcoholism and drug addiction 
off to like wacky antics and like being in the limelight. So it was just accepted. Mm -hmm. And then watching all of that shit finally catch up to them by the end of it, the outcome is that they, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the last fast forward like season of 20 seconds <laughs> last season of bojack horseman um he goes to jail um and he's gonna be in jail for 14 years mm. and he's in his 50s i think like the, i know it's a horse but yeah he's older and so he's losing a big chunk of life when he's already like losing all these things and the fucked up part so he had gotten sober and was doing better, like was doing a lot better. But all of the, the shit that he had done, so that's like the scary thing. All of the shit that he had done had come Cut back up. anyways, yeah. even though he was trying to get better. And then he relapsed and, and that's how he ended up in jail. Is broke into the house, tried mm. to drown himself in a pool. and that, that. But that's like the the crazy thing about sobriety, like there's people that were getting sober just so that they could go to jail after they got sober, which is so scary. I don't like, it's hard enough to, to get sober, but I don't, I can't imagine the mental state that you're in. Like how is it like, how can it feel worth it? Yeah. I can see so easily like somebody just feeling fucking hopeless. I maybe to getting sober going to jail to prove that they can get sober and try and stay sober too. Try and lessen their sentence. Yeah. But f for some people, who knows people, what their like, probation, I mean, most of the time they're yeah, on a yeah. type of probation. So they probably violated their probation, which is why they have to do a treatment and get sober and then go back oh, to sure. jail. But yeah, like, but regardless, like you're, you're going away. Like, yeah. even if it's for a shorter amount of time, like you're still going away. Which is fucking horrifying. Yeah. And then, because then I thought about too, like, if if the only reason that you're you're getting sober is so that you get a lesser charge or or whatever, right? Yeah. In the back of your mind, you're. I feel like you could kind of almost make an excuse as to like, well, the only reason I did that was so I got a lesser charge. Yeah. And it's so, true. so it's easier to rationalize, yeah. like, I'm gonna use again because. The only reason I stopped using was because they made me. Yeah. And that's why. So there's things called commitments. People can be committed to treatment and that's a legal thing. So sh they've got had to have done certain things that are very detrimental to their life or somebody else's life. And then they get put on a commitment and they're committed to doing treatment. And oftentimes I feel like a lot of times when people are committed to treatment, basically forced into treatment. Oh, okay. They're they're rates of success are a lot less because they're not ready to get help. They're not ready to change. Mm. Sometimes they are. And if they are, that's great. But most of the time when someone's forced into getting treatment, when they're not ready, they're not going to have any benefit from it. Yeah. A lot of times they go back to drinking. Yeah. Well, it's like that. Or like people that have interventions and they feel forced from their family to go get treatment unless they're ready. And, yeah. and we have that all the time where I have, you have to have these conversations with family members where they're like, they need to go to treatment. They need this. Mm. And you have to be the honest person and be like, they don't want to quit. And we, we can't force someone. I mean, legally, sometimes people and likelihood of someone being on a chemical dependency commitment is 
there's not as many um but oftentimes you tell people like unless they want to get help they're not going to benefit from treatment they got to be somewhat open-minded because forcing people to do things that doesn't if anything when we're forced to do things we pull back right or you're you're kind of shamed into it yeah so you're you're like if I make if I come out the other side of this, then at least for a little while they won't be on my embarrassed case. or like embarrassed yeah. or yeah. like ashamed of me. Yeah. So yeah, there's that that whole aspect. Yeah, I'm gonna. I want to say on my end, like I know this is a scary time for a lot of people, and a lot of people's mental health is struggling right now. People not having jobs, income, being locked at home, isolating. You know, when when people are depressed, we tell them not to isolate. Mm. We say isolation, you know, when you start isolating, you're alone with your thoughts more and this and that. And now we're getting forced to isolate. Yeah. So it's really hard. But what's nice is there are so many organizations that are doing virtual visits. So you can do therapy from home, which is great for a lot of people that have a hard time getting to therapy appointments. Yeah. Now you're at your home. So I think as hard of a time it is right now and how sucky it is. There are so many options for people to still go see a therapist, still see their providers. I mean, a lot of people think that all clinics and stuff are shut down and it's not the case. It's just things are a little different and all that. So there's still help out there. A hundred percent. Well, and that's in, in addiction, they say the same thing. Like isolation is you're in the danger zone. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, for a lot of people, uh, they were going home to no one. So it, it was even worse to have all this shit going on. Not only are yeah. they going home to nobody, but they can't go out to see anybody. And who knows if they had jobs yeah. where they, that's their, their interaction oh, with their people. Sociali- yep. That's how a lot of, of us adults, we socialize, yeah. especially with families. We, our job is our social, you know, area. That's a good point. Yeah. It's so easy to just not, do something virtual because yeah. you're at home. So you yeah. kind of feel like you're disconnected from all of those mm-hmm. things. You're like, I'm here, I'm going to not do anything. And it's just easier to do that. If you're not doing anything, block out a time, make it feel like you're going to go out and do something. Take a shower, brush your yeah. teeth, get, get do like reactivate that muscle memory so that when you have that meeting, that virtual meeting with somebody, yep. you feel like you're actually, Someplace else. Yep, yep, yep. I'm sorry, you were going to say something? Well, (laughs) what I just realized this, we're like co-occurring couple where I have the mental health like stuff and you have the addiction stuff. Granted, you have both, but like you can edit that out. No, no, no. I see see what you're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like in the podcast too, like I have all, I don't know. I like no addiction, but I've never had addiction. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I I would be more like uh, if a hurricane hit a city, you are the news reporter talking about all of the damage and destruction and everything that's happening out there. And I got hit and was in the ICU immediately. Mm. So like I didn't see I, I have to go back and watch old footage or yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. In in that regard, like it's yeah, it's very much. Yeah, I rely on you for yeah to figure out. I have no idea what was going on out here, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah so anyway back to the, there's virtual stuff um with addiction there are online meetings virtual meetings stuff like that um, AA, uh, and maybe i can provide some of that um after this is posted so if people have any questions they can go to the links and stuff to some resources out there yeah i gotta do better about p- putting the links in there every yeah, time i'll have we to make can, a little document or something yeah but we can have like a document if people would like if they need if they miss meetings want to do online meetings stuff like that um and i can we can i can also provide like therapy resources stuff like that yeah that's a good idea yeah because um, you may feel alone on this but no one's alone in this we're all i mean i'm a pretty stable person but there are days where i can feel it too or feel like oh man Today's not a good day mentally, being isolated, you try to homeschool kids, work, all this kind of stuff. Worrying, I think my main thing is I worry a lot about other people out there, people, small businesses, our friends, family, you know, we, I worry about people's jobs and all this and their yeah. livelihood. So I think that's where I become overwhelmed and then walking like I remember walking through the hospital and, you know, lots of people with surgeries and stuff like that. And it feels like you feel this uneasy feeling because mm. we don't, you don't know what's about to happen every day. What's going to happen every day. If yeah. we're going to see more, I mean, I'm going to, I have to pee super bad. I do too. Okay. So I forgot that we had questions. Um, there's a couple of them. Yeah. I but, think good. It's a good time <clears throat> to go to questions. Yeah, like yeah. I said, um, if we remember, we'll link some resources. But if you listen to this, have any questions, you can reach out to any of our Facebook, Stuck Duck Grey Duke, anything like that for those resources. Yeah, Instagram. You can email. <coughs> uh, don't but, have COVID either. But so the the question that this individual had made me think of. Um, I I saw when it came to weddings, specifically like the notion that you'll you'll do this just have another drink what do you mean so you're not dancing have a drink you're not you know what i mean like yeah you don't want to go do this it like there's this sense of like we only have x amount of time we've got all this booze here you need to consume it so that you can enjoy this time there's Mm. no and I saw that way more with females. So their their question was in that regard, like the pressures of drinking as a as a woman, like it it looks like it has you you need that in order to have an excuse to enjoy something, yeah, or or dance. to to act silly yeah. or to like to do those things. So I guess I have been trying to act sillier. Like when I'm with Layla and we're shopping and to make her giggle and have a good time, I'll just dance in the middle of the aisle now where I normally wouldn't do that. Are you making like a conscious effort? Like oh, you yeah, know yeah. That you're doing because that? That's interesting. I was that person that would have to drink to dance at weddings, to dance with my friends, to hang out with people, to talk about things that are going on. I felt like I had to drink to be that person really I am that person I don't need that substance to make me that person I've always wanted to be that silly person but I'm terrified about what people think about me but in my head now it's it's gonna make Layla giggle and she's gonna have a good time and be like oh my gosh mom was so embarrassed she likes to tell us mom was dancing and singing 
but it's like it makes her have a good time and i have always wanted to be that person i i think another thing is like like women and especially mothers like they have to have like they have to uh meet this expectation and so the drinking is saying we we see the mom the responsible so what we want to dig deeper so yeah. how do we get more into where's the like people always say where the real you comes out yeah. when you drink and that's that's such a fucked up thing it to really think. is yeah like because really you're saying we need to trick you into being who you think you who should, we, we think, think you, you should are. be yeah. who will like who yeah. will fit our our thing yeah, like the other day when Layla was wearing her pajama onesies and I went and found yours and jumped on the trampoline with her. I didn't care who saw me. Excellent, silly activity. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's going to be different in social situations where we have to be social around other people. A lot of times when we were podcasting and I didn't drink, I, it was me making that conscious decisions to try and socialize with this person I don't know without having that alcohol. Because I wouldn't normally feel that way. Because when we first started podcasting, I felt like I had to drink. Because I don't know these people coming into my house. Right. I have, you know, resting bitch face. I, you know, what if I come off as feeling prissy, all that. And I want them to think I'm just as fun and cool as Chris. Not as, I mean, you're. But towards the end there, I tried making that decision. Like, okay, you don't need to drink to talk to people. You might have something important or good that they, to say to them, that they may get something out of without feeling like you have to i don't know i get what you're yeah. saying liquid courage yeah that whatever whole liquid courage concept yeah thing. um are you good with i'm good with that okay. yeah you want to go to the next thing um another question how you felt about me being sober and making that decision pretty easily and then the second question was it a hard decision for me to make so how okay so, so if you're wondering what the decision is, is if you haven't listened to, for whatever reason to any other other episodes i have made the conscious decision to stay sober along with chris for that extra support um so i guess how how i feel about yeah. w- when you came to that decision um because chris I, did not ask me right i realized that um, myself and something that a lot of other addicts do is that we will encourage other people to use so that us using doesn't seem so strange. It can be perceived as like that person just likes to party and they just want me to have a good time because when they drink and they get me to drink, I, I have a good time too. Like that whole thing. Like, yeah, yeah. So it seemed like towards the end there, like you didn't really want to drink anyways. And I was kind of forcing it on you. Um, and, and I fed it, I perpetuated that concept that we were just talking about, which is the, wouldn't it be fun to just, you don't, you won't have to drive. We won't have to do this. Like you'll just be able to relax, like relaxing or being goofy or what, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just being funny that you're, it just being funny that you're drunk. Yeah. Um, I, I would perpetuate that, that shit. Um, so I think that there was a, a moment, um, in the hospital when I saw you, um, and it seemed like, it seemed like the pressure was off on me having to force this on you. And so it's hard to describe kind of how that, that situation played out. But like, 
um, it just seemed like you had been done for a while and it, and this last thing was kind of like, okay, I don't have to do this anymore. So it, it, it felt shitty in that way that like, I, I, I didn't realize to how many people I had been doing that to mm-hmm. as well. Okay. And so it's a bummer to think like, in and the fact that we did the podcast like it's documented that i would push it on people all the time too yeah um so it yeah it, there was like a level of shame so like i know you have made this commitment but it it didn't feel as difficult i could it seemed like more of a sense of relief rather than yeah. you know what i mean but you how did what it I'm make you say? feel did it that's what i'm saying okay. so like it made me feel shitty like oh. thinking that i had i had been pushing this thing on you so often yeah. um e- everything was better if you could drink while doing it okay yeah and i and so like not that it felt like nothing but it just it felt like I don't know. It felt initially it felt like who gives a fuck? Cause it's not hard for you to not drink anyways. And then as I went through that journey of like figuring it out, like it was, oh, I feel like an asshole for like not even realizing that I was doing not having no idea that I was doing what I was doing. But I do remember like, times when i would get aggravated that i couldn't get you to drink because then that mean that i that meant that i couldn't drink so i not not oh, understanding yeah, that yeah. that's what was actually happening um so it just felt like frustrating on my end for the realization like you took the trash out hmm. like that like i'm glad that you're doing it but question other people that you were in treatment with their significant others did they still like people with alcohol did they still use like their partners or people most of them yeah interesting yeah but again there was a lot of the person that was in treatment was like the odd man out Mm. like get a load of steve he can't fucking reel it in throughout the week he can't just drink on the weekends like a normal person okay so you know what i mean like i saw people leave early too because somebody was like okay are you sober now are you done with this interesting you know what i mean so like yeah they felt like you throw them in the wash and then you pull them out when they're dry and then that means everything's fine okay yeah Hmm. so there was a lot of I would say most people, aside from my roommate, I know that his wife um, had said that she's not going to drink anymore, which okay. was cool. Yeah. But most people. Wow. That's interesting. And maybe it's because I know a lot about, I mean, I know not a lot. I know quite a bit about substance use and all that and how I don't know the success rates of people that go back into a home where that's going to be there or their partner's. Knowing that, well, Kim's leaving. She's going to go to the bar with her girlfriends and get drunk. And then I don't know how that would, I don't know. I guess I know the type of person I am. And if I was trying to stay sober, it would be hard for me to be around it if someone else was using that I was close with. And and the question was, was it easy for me to, 
Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I when I started drinking when I was younger, it was a lot of peer pressure. Like, well, everyone around is drinking. I might as well start drinking. And then I guess the second that you let on that you might you might not want to drink. Then people put <laughs> then people put yep. twice the pressure. Well, why on. not? Why not? They yeah. focus on you yep. before 100%. they even start. Especially being a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think after the family member in my life went through all that stuff and seeing how physically it can affect and how it affected us all together, that was another where I'm like, I don't know if I really want this. Because I felt like when I would drink, I would feel so much shame and guilt knowing that I was drinking and that person had had experienced, you know, seizures. And it's oh, life threatening, you know, and I'm over here in... I'm talking to other people about it and be like, I, you know, I think that person relapsed and being judgy when I'm, I have a drink in my hand. Like, how can I, you know, you know, what's funny. I remember them being at our house and drinking in the bathroom and, and being like, I can't believe I have to drink in the bathroom just because they're here. Not instead thinking, Hey, you couldn't wait. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. it's funny to think now that like, oh, no, the weird thing is that you're drinking in the bathroom. Not that you're having to hide it because somebody's here. You're not doing that person any favors. Yeah. You're just fucking yourself up by yeah. hiding. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't a hard. I don't think I think it was coming. I my drinking got less and less as the years have gone on. And yeah. I just I don't know. I just I think I, you seemed annoyed with like and it goes back to that whole people thinking that they're going to bring out the fun side of you it's like i feel like sometimes after like watching you get sober you felt like you'd been duped like you'd been tricked and that i know that that frustrates you when when like you feel like somebody's taking advantage of you but the frustrating part was that you felt like you there's like a you tricked yourself almost mm, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, somebody else had convinced you to drink, but at the end of the day, because you're the one that's doing it, you're like, God, fucking A. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I would hear you say that stuff like that. Um, like, I can't believe I let myself drink that much. Or like, I'm, ugh, I feel like garbage today. I, yeah. I can't believe I... So it's like somebody might have pressured you but yeah i think and i think a lot of people feel that way yeah the next day they're like what the god damn it why i know and feeling rotten i was done feeling like crap i was gonna try and find up i think there was one more question yeah oh sober plans to support each other i don't know it's weird so i filled out that survey for uh for hazel yeah yeah and um like they ask what my what i'm doing right now to to stay sober and this this podcast like saying this shit out loud yeah um and especially like with the viewpoint that i have on recovery now which is to say like the objective aspect of it like knowing that i can't remember if i said this on an episode or not yet but i was at um somebody's house and uh they had this big thing of uh, Tito's vodka on, on the fridge. And I kept staring at it, even though I was talking to them, like I just kept looking up at it and like 
analyzing and like, oh man, I remember the copper color on the cap and like all of these things. But when I left the house, I, I remember thinking like, that's a weird part of your brain. It's so strange to like, like the fucking eating habits that I've, so well, I, working I take on that. this, this medication that helps me sleep, but for some reason makes me want to fucking eat like crazy right before I go to bed. Mm. And all throughout the day, I'm like, no, I know why I'm doing it. I'm not going to fucking do it. It's just but then like, at night, it's but the, then at night it's, mm. it's, but it's, so it's the combination of things, right? Yeah. So it's the medication coupled with knowing I'm susceptible. So I think like going forward, I know that there, it's, it's not going to be a one thing. It's a one, two thing for most people. Okay. It's not just one thing is going to make you drink. So you could say like a shitty day at work is going to make me feel like I need to drink, but really it's shitty day at work. And then you going, I, you know what? I either deserve this or fuck it. And I'm going to drink anyways. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like it's the, the shitty work day and then your mental state. Yeah. Making you go, okay, now it's happening. So I think like the fact that I, I know this this thing like yeah. it makes me feel like you've got I like yeah. I wanted to buy cigarettes today so bad. <laughs> but it's so funny cuz I'm walking around buying popcorn, buying this and that. Um and like I'm at the counter, I know I'm going to say what are the cheapest cigarettes. And as soon as she says anything else, I said nope. And like it was just that easy and it's it's so weird because i go i know like i know i don't actually want that thing i know the fucked up stuff that it does like yeah it's so and but I, sober plans yeah so that all sorry that was like a long way you, of, yeah of trying to say it feels a lot like when i went into the hospital the first time which was that gabapentin made all the difference mm. and I was able to physically get better addiction. I couldn't, I couldn't have seen coming. So that's, um, one thing. So I guess I'm, well, maybe what I should think about, what do I do for the thing that I can't see coming? Like yeah. what could happen? Yeah. Like the thing I always think about and will always say, which is if I lose you, then I can't imagine a sober life after that. And I like feel it everywhere in my body. It's hard to, it's hard to imagine how I would stay sober during that. So I have to figure something out because. So I can't die. Yeah. Don't die. For okay. Starter. Oof. Okay. Um, well, at least, yeah, not, not now at least. I'll but, work on that not dying part. But it makes me think of like this lady who gave a speech um, at, at in treatment. I, f I hate saying in treatment so often, but it's no different than saying at work, right? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so this lady, um, I think it was like six months after getting out of treatment, herself getting out of treatment. She'd only been sober for a year. Um, 
Or no, no, no. It was nine months. I remember now. Because she said three months ago. Um, so her daughter passed away suddenly. Jeez. And that's something you can't see. You never want to, you never think about your kids going before you. And so that's a complete blindside. Like, but she didn't drink. And it, and three months had gone by and she still hadn't drank. And so she was like, you could tell if she was still working through it, but Dang. she figured something out. I wish I had the foresight to, to say what you'll do in the instance that you get that intense craving to, or like or just something. to stay later. And cause I did give that lady a hug. Like she was fucking sweet old black lady. Absolutely hilarious. She said that she had failed <laughs> staying sober before because uh, she would go to AA meetings uh, just looking for some ass. Uh, that's funny. Really funny. That is really funny. She's like, I like men. I like short men, tall men, fat men, skinny men. I like all of you. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. So goddamn funny. Um, but I wish I had the foresight to say like, what did it feel like? In that blindsided moment where you have all the reason to, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody, if she had drank, I guarantee that the people around her would have been like, well, fuck. Yeah. She just lost her daughter. There's like even people around you knowing that you had gone through that would still say they get it. Yeah. Even though you're an, an addict and you're in recovery, like there's certain scenarios that people go, fuck me. I bet I do the same thing. So I... Yeah, I'll, I'll have to think about like yeah. what we could do. I think my thing is I'm just going to be more vocal. Like my p- close friends know that I'm not going to drink anymore and that I'm going to be sober and they respect that. So I guess I'm just more vocal and saying, hey, I'm going to be sober. Don't ask me to drink. I will be your DD. I'll still hang out with people. I'll still, I still want to be yeah. around friends and do stuff like that. I'm not going to judge them for drinking. Yeah. But I'm just not going to partake and I still want to have a good time with people. And I did that when you were in treatment. I would I went to my friend's house twice. Well, when you were in the hospital, you, you were in treatment both times out and visited a friend. And neither time, I mean, I the first time she they were drinking and I was just was there and didn't, I mean, they didn't even ask and it wasn't awkward i was gonna ask that too has has anybody asked you if you want to drink since since i've been in no i guess i haven't really hung out with any because we're you know isolated but those two times no do you want a diet soda because i think people know i drink a lot of diet soda but no and which is fine that means they're respecting oh no i didn't mean it no yeah yeah yeah, yeah, no but no Uh -uh. I i think about who might not like totally know yeah that we you know or if, I, I, the thing i think about is weddings is yeah always, yeah thankfully most of our like friends the, are all married and you know, two the ones of them that are, are not getting married this this year yeah which is as long know, as you know well we'll see about that and yeah all that shit but i guess what did was there any other questions you want to answer those were the kind of big main ones um i think we we get pretty vague when we say like plan to stay sober we don't have any like specific plan yeah Yeah, like if this happens i'm gonna do this like a safety plan or anything from drinking but we're just which is weird because it it kind of feels like common sense now yeah right doesn't it feel like second nature is to like 
there's shit that I don't pick up because I physically am not able to pick it up. Like because of my, of my back issues. Don't no. Oh, I pick those up way too easily. <laughs> Gonna add a little comedy to this serious <laughs> episode. Um, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I don't. Yeah, there's shit that I don't do because I know it'll I, hurt. I have you. genuine mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. physical limitations. Yeah, this, this like addiction thing feels similar. Kind of like that. It yeah, feels yeah, yeah. a lot like that. Makes that. sense. So it's it's weird to. Like, I know that we should do something, but at the same time, I feel like I'm not, I don't feel like I'm shrugging it off because this helps. Yeah. Like talking this shit out makes a big fucking difference. I got to do another podcast. His stuff isn't coming out for a while, but another addiction based podcast and like just being able to say that shit out loud. Yeah. Um, keeps it at the forefront of my mind so that that's that's you know what i think just doing this if we continue to do this once a week that's a pretty big thing pretty big it's i gotta find that more things to talk us. about but yeah, yeah yeah so i think i think we'll Maybe just we start need to doing get into big updates. fights so well, we... no oh, i think okay. just doing updates maybe we'll we'll go through the 12 steps like oh. and like kind of talk about Okay. Where well, I'm at. All right. Even though I, you don't really go by the twelve steps, but that's I think okay. it's I think it's just antiquated, and it's the, like what what you really need to do is you need distraction from the destruction that you're causing. Yeah. Whether yep. it's to yourself or to other people, or both. That's the twelve steps. Those like uh, Bill, whatever the fuck. Nye his the name science is. guy. Bill Nye the science guy when he founded. <laughs> Alcoholics Anonymous, <laughs> um, uh, bow ties Anonymous, yeah, his thing, yeah. Um, but they, the the only like real examples that they had in the world were was religion, like when it came to structure yeah. like that, and college seems like those were the two things that they yeah. kind of like used as as blueprints to create like this is how you stay sober, yeah. But I think that like learning more about how that whole midbrain limbic system, prefrontal cortex, Mm -hmm. when you learn that relationship, it's so, it feels like somebody tricked you and you found them. Yeah. Like you're like, you fucking asshole. You're the reason why I was doing this shit the whole time. Like you, you, it's so much more eye opening because there, it doesn't, even religious people were like put off by how religious AA and all that, even though they say that it's not, they're like, Hey, it's not a religious thing. Now let's all pray (laughs) to close out the meeting. It's like, you can't fucking escape it. So I think like learning more about, I've started watching more videos to try and get more versed in it because it makes a big fucking difference in recovery. You're one of those people that need to know scientific stuff and why, why does this happen? a lot of goddamn happen? questions. Yeah. Dude, so many times I would ask a counselor or a supervisor or whatever the fuck they want to get called um, a question and they'd go, uh, nobody's ever asked that before. 
It's like, why the fuck? Chris Duke's asking those questions. That's what I do, Kim Duke. That's what What you do. I ask the questions that people say they've never been asked before. And you're sincere. And somebody will go, this has never happened before. Yeah. I get get fucked with those situations, but then I get to ask the questions that have never been asked before. That's true. I think this is a good episode. Hey, I think I think you did great. I think, I think you your did hair great. looks great. Thanks. Beautiful eyes. What I'm trying to say is I got it bad <laughs> for the teacher. <laughs> I thought you were gonna go Usher, but you want a little both. Oh. Earth, you, you got it bad. Right. Yeah. When you're lonesome. on the phone, hang oh. up and you call right back. Oh. You got it. You got it bad. I thought it was you hang up and you go and jack. <laughs> okay. Well, you tell jokes I can't tell. No, no. I'm the funny one now. Okay. Well. Okay. Um, Thank you for listening. Um, Somebody. Uh, wait. Let me try I did have again. another question. Someone oh. did ask me a question like how Chris's mental health has been because we focus so much on the addiction. And I think oh, this yeah. was a really good. And I mean, if you want to talk about that. Um, it's super it's weird when you, when you have depression and anxiety and you're super self-aware at the same time, when medication is introduced, um, it puts that fire out so quickly. Okay. Cause you notice a difference immediately. Yeah. Like I remember like the first couple of days after taking medication, like I couldn't tell if I was having a good day day because i was having a good uh, day or if yeah. it was because of the meds so it's like so it's weird to it's hard to describe but like it it gets put out so quickly that you kind of forget that you were depressed okay or that you do yeah. have anxiety and those things um so my mental state is it's i, I guess like a lot of like i'm just dying to tell people more about the this addiction thing like how it it's not it doesn't have to be 12 steps yeah i think you're i think my my view of your mental states you're in a pretty good place because you get so much excitement you find so much excitement and all that from this um from being creative you found new outlets for your Mm, creativity that you i mean music oh i hate doing anything Unless it's like, I hate doing anything that doesn't have to do with like podcasting, creativity, or uh, doing shit with you guys. Yeah. I hate everything else. <laughs> I have noticed that. Like, I like, just like, ugh, I don't want to sleep. I just want to. You don't do want to do anything. Yeah. I, every, I, I don't have enough time to do the shit that brings me like true joy. Yeah. Is what it feels like. Yeah. So that's what But one mentally, thing. I feel like you're in. A really yeah. good place i am i do get sketched out about like my my physical state because i'm doing like manual labor shit now and that is always scary yeah um because even i i hate when a bunch of stuff is going good you like feel like something shitty is around the corner yeah hopefully it's not the case but i think it's been nice that the world is shitty 
Yeah. So the good so things. So nothing is yeah, as so shitty like, as what's going on in the world. Something shitty happening every day yeah. anyways. Yeah, it's true. Um, I just got to keep up with my exercises. And, yeah. Oh, you know what? Somebody, um, this this comedian, god damn, I wish I could remember her name, Jess something, uh, was on Rogan. Mm. I was listening to it. And they were talking about that, uh, like how with plants, if you play music or mm-hmm. say nice things to them, they seem to respond to it somehow. Yeah. They don't, they still don't really know what the fuck that is. Um, but she, she said that she says good things to oh. her body because if it works for plants, it's got to work for you. Right. Cause you're even yeah. more aware. There are living yeah. things inside of you, which yeah. is a weird thing to think yeah. about, but like we're full of atoms. So well, you bacteria. Yeah, 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 I mean, so you should. If I were you, I'd wake up and look in the mirror and be like, "Damn, I'm sexy." No, oh. I uh, first I go pee and I go, "Where did my pee pee go?" Because my gut has begun to whatever. shadow over. Mm. Okay, you say whatever. I say, this game of hide and seek is not fun. <laughs> Anyway, so saying positive things about to yourself, yeah. to your body. Like, yeah. yeah. Going, I am strong. I am balanced. I am strong. I am I'm balanced. I'm a badass bitch. Okay. I'm badass bitch. I'm going to do that tomorrow on my way to work. Kim, B- you a badass bitch. Bless up, fam. Yeah. You got this. You you, you is smart. You is... That's a little racist. Don't. I can't say that. You are smart. <laughs> Can I say, you are smart. You know it all. No, I wouldn't do that. That's stupid. But. Are you Clarissa? Because you know it all. Nah. Okay. Skirt, skirt. I think we should. All right. No. Yeah. I think that was pretty good. Yeah. That'll be about an hour. Um. Yeah. Again, email, message, however you want to get a hold of us. Yeah. Um, preferred if you'd go through email or the Facebook page. Yeah. Um, but we can take it personally. We don't want sharing yeah. names, anything like that. Oh, yeah. If you are somebody who has gone through recovery and you'd like to be on the show, reach out. Let us know. We can, yeah, again, Keep I can distort your voice and make it so you yeah. don't even sound like yourself. Yeah. And t- you can tell your story if you'd like to. Or even if you're in active addiction and you're trying to figure this shit out, like, feel free to, Call we can, in. if you just, sometimes just saying the shit out loud to somebody else can, can make a big difference. So. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for listening. Like, share, subscribe. Like, share, subscribe. Subscribe, like, share. What was it? I couldn't say, I was trying to say, okay, I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> um, okay. And with that, we will pass.